Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram Podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the gram, not Instagram, but the Enneagram. We take steps to improve ourselves and the community around us. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the Enneagram Type 1, the principled, purposeful, self-control, and perfectionistic. Let's go intro music. The temperament of the Enneagram One. The archetypes include the reformer, the perfectionist. Ones are called the reformer because they have an inner yearning for things to be right and for justice. They are called the perfectionist because ones tend to want things to be perfect. That can mean themselves, others, processes, inanimate objects, and other things in the world. Enneagram Ones are in the anger body control center of intelligence. Ones are conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right and wrong, well-organized, orderly, and detail-oriented. They try to maintain high standards, but can slip into being critical and perfectionistic. They typically have problems with resentment and impatience. They are essentially looking to make things better, as they think nothing is ever quite good enough at times. Even though ones are in the anger control center of intelligence, they rarely get to rage mode and usually repress their anger, similar to twos, but the difference is that twos repress anger, feelings, and emotions because they want to preserve an image of being helpful, whereas the one represses mainly only anger because in their mind, anger is seen as bad, so that they must avoid it and not show it. If you have listened to my episode on the intro to the Enneagram 8, I did a rant on anger. For the type ones, Anger is not a bad thing. It is an emotion that can be used for good or bad, just like any other emotion. Ones have the strongest and loudest inner critic. This inner critic is a constant reminder that something is wrong either with them, other people, or things in the world. The one has to really work on taming the inner critic because it can be quite helpful when managed and worked on, but when it is not managed, it can drive a one insane and the people around them with overly binary thinking, right, wrong, black or white. Basic fear. The one's basic fear is being corrupt, evil or defective. Basic desire. The basic desire is to be good, to have integrity and to be balanced. Key motivations. The key motivations of the one is to want is a want to be right, to strive higher and improve everything to be consistent with their ideals, to justify themselves, to be beyond criticism, to be beyond criticism, so they are not condemned by anyone. One's at their best. When a one has some high self-mastery skills, they are noble, 
wise, and morally heroic. Ones are self-accepting and serene. They understand that everything does not have to be perfect in order to be right. They can forgive themselves and see the beauty and perfection in life's imperfections. The highest emotion is serenity, which comes with letting go of anger about the way things are and accepting imperfection. Their strengths include being honest, responsible, and improvement-oriented. Ones at their worst. Ones at their worst are stuck in a vicious cycle that makes them try to control everything around them as well as themselves, but try to be in a warped version of what they perceive to be right. Black and white thinking, very rigid. Their way is the right way and the only way to do things. Their lowest emotion of the one is resentment, which results from getting angry but holding it in. Problems that ones typically have being resentful, non-adaptable, and overly critical. I have a real non-adaptable story to tell you later in this episode from a one that I met very recently. Does your workplace stink because the culture sucks? Are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively? Does the mere idea of going into work give you anxiety? If you said yes to any one of these, you should probably quit your job. But since you're not going to quit your job, you should contact Kaizen Careers. At Kaizen Careers, we are all about improving workplace performance. We use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, conflict management, and leadership development, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace cultures so you can improve your services and bottom lines. Contact Kaizen Careers at K-A-I-Z-E-N-C-A-R-E-E-R-S.com or Milton at KaizenCareers.com or give us a call at 901-334-1644. Ones in the Workplace. This is brought to you by 9types.com and the great Helen Palmer. Ones like specific guidelines and schedules. Loopholes are traumatic for them. Enneagram Ones are very practical. They they can reshape abstract approaches into a step-by-step procedure. They like accountability, and they like to know who's exactly responsible for what. They love keeping track of details. Much of their energy at work is really going towards the details and making sure those fine little things that make up the whole thing to make it look better or be sharper are done correctly and right. They look for evidence of ethical character, discipline, manners, appearance, and respect. These things are all huge to the one, and they do their best to exhibit those on a daily basis. Ones, they prefer doing over feeling. They want to focus on work rather than work relationships, which can be a good but also problematic, especially when you're working with people. Ones typically feel very secure in a formal role. They respect hierarchy and authority. They are very aware of the record of people and their own. So, for instance, good people, in a sense, have a good history. And that's part of what drives them to constantly be good or look good and do the right thing. Ones are devoted to work for its own sake. And they take pleasure in doing 
a job very well. They work hard for the right cause, for a good leader, and for a competent team. They tend to compare their own efforts to others. If they work, I work. If I, if they don't, I won't. They keep score, which can be sometimes holding a grudge in the office space, but they do keep score of what's going on. Notes what others do right and wrong and will defend others if they are in the right. Airs the grudge list when they are in the wrong. They can mask their sense of personal entitlement by working for a good cause. I deserve respect and special treatment because I do good in this world. They want rewards for efforts and competence, but will not ask. May displace resentment over non-recognition unto details and petty interactions. They can legitimize hurt feelings by finding fault with others. Ones typically find it hard to delegate responsibility because they worry that the job will not be done right. And they they don't like to be compromised by the mistakes of others. Ones are typically afraid to be wrong. They're really prone to power struggles and argument about who's right. They're good at shifting blame if it was their fault. There was always a reason, and it wasn't my fault. Ones typically avoid risk because risk can lead to mistakes. When in doubt, don't take chances. They're a strong advocate for those who work under a disadvantage or who improve as the result of personal effort. Psychological defense of Enneagram 1. Ones use the defense mechanism of reaction formation to avoid their anger and other feelings and impulses and maintain a self-image of being right. Reaction formation is feeling one thing and then doing the opposite, such as feeling resentful but acting nice. It's a form of dishonesty because it is giving a false image to seem as if they are doing right or good. A lot of times you can see reaction formation from Enneagram 1s when it comes to them having to deal with anger and frustration. A lot of times they will do the exact opposite in a situation where they are angry and frustrated and just try to show, I am not angry or frustrated at all, while they're all the while clenching their jaw, being very upset on the inside. And that comes out in some ways that can be very opposite to what they really feel or really need to say or express. And it's all because it's wrapped up in the idea that being angry is equal to bad somehow. That's how society has really messed us up in some ways. All right. You've probably met an Enneagram 1 based on these verbal and nonverbal cues. The first verbal cue, repeated use of judging words, ought, should, right, would, must. You ought to, you should, that's right. No, that's wrong. You must. Those words are used repeatedly by Enneagram 1. So if someone's using those very frequently, there is a chance that could be a 1. Next. Offer opinions frequently because Enneagram ones typically think they have, you know, the, the marker or the pinpoint or the bullseye on being right and correct. They typically offer their opinion quite frequently saying, hey, you probably should do it this way or do it like this, which to be honest, Enneagram ones have thought about those details. And sometimes a lot of times they are right when it comes to some of those um, pinpointing details and very fine, critical, small things that uh, make bigger things flow and go smoother. Enneagram 1 is very interesting. They use precise language. 
So if they are communicating about a sentence, whereas I'll just give you a word that kind of sounds like the word or means similar to the word that I'm thinking about, ones use very precise language. And that all goes to them wanting to be right, wanting to be correct, wanting to formulate and communicate in a way that is specific to what they mean. Here are some nonverbal cues include tight jaws from withholding anger. So if you pay attention to an Enneagram one, and especially in a situation where it's like, ooh, this person should be mad or you're just looking at them and they're a little frustrated, you will see that their jaws tend to be tight because they're withholding anger in their jaws, which is interesting because they're holding their tongue almost in a sense. Next, self-controlled bodies. Ones are very controlled in their body language. They're not very expressive. Their body's not wiggling everywhere and they don't use uh, big gestures. They're very controlled in what they do and how they communicate with others and how their posture is. And that goes right to the next point, which they have a very upright posture. The posture of the Enneagram one is very upright. They stand straight. The things that they do are very even and they're balanced. The way that they walk, the way they talk and they carry themselves. It's very upright type of manner. I am doing this right. Can you see me? I am doing it correctly, holding my body upright. Speaking style. Once again, they're precise and detail oriented with a tendency to sermonize. They can do their best to tell you about what's right or what's wrong, because as a reformer, sometimes they feel like they're on a mission to tell people what's right and what's wrong. Hopefully you have found some value in this podcast episode. You can help to keep this podcast going by supporting us on Patreon.com. Patreon.com is a site where you can support content providers. Podcasts are free to listeners, but not free for creators. It actually costs money and definitely time to produce consistent and weekly podcasts. I podcast because I want to reach people and change our community through the Enneagram. If you want to help in that by supporting me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash do it for the gram. My experience with Enneagram ones. So one of my best friends is an Enneagram one. He um, didn't know this, obviously, when we were in high school, but he's an Enneagram one. And it just started to make a whole lot of sense as I got older and I matured. So I remember in high school, this man would carry a dictionary around looking for a precise word to use for every situation. It was so annoying. He still does it to this day. I mean, the dictionary is not as big and plus it's like on his phone, but he has the app and he has it waiting and ready to use. He has a high moral compass and that would make sense since he enlisted in military services. It also makes sense why he overly beats himself up for small things that are incorrect or he gets wrong when it's not that crucial. He is a passionate advocate for the rights of all people, especially women mentally handicapped, and physically abused. He also has a clever sense of humor. Next, this is the story I was telling you about a little bit earlier. Who? Um, I'm definitely not going to say the person's name, but uh, I'm, you know, who? some people sometimes, you know, when we unhealthy, when we low self-mastery, it can really be troubling to see someone. And when we overestimate and overgauge our ability to be self-aware, that can be troubling too. Because I think 
pretty much 90% of people probably think they're more aware than they actually are themselves, if not more. And it's just true. So this um, person was at a particular Enneagram function with me and a group of other people. And it was really hard for this person to not only find their type, but they would not settle for or realize they were Enneagram one. All of their language, the way that they did reaction formation. So they were angry, but they would say things that would try to be nice, but they weren't really nice. They were things that were like slick and things that were like disrespectful, but like in a way that didn't seem disrespectful. The way you asked the question was trying to get under someone's skin and saying a different thing. So it was stuff like that that was going on with this person. And they just really seemed frustrated and angry, but they were putting on this face that I'm happy, but everyone could tell that they was extremely distressed and they were extremely upset and mad about whatever was going on, but they weren't able to communicate it. And then on top of that, um, this person came forward and gave a story about something that they said mortified them. They said impacted them and it was horrible. And so they was going to tell this story. And so we're looking like, oh, my goodness, this person, because they always come off as if they're right, they're correct and they're doing things, you know, in the right way. And they're telling this story. And we're just like, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to hear because you're like always right. So what in the world did you do wrong? Come to find out the story that mortified this person is all about them saying that someone had on clothes that were not proper or right for them and they were talking about the wrong piece of clothing i mean they were talking about the shorts saying that you know it was more hanging out of it than in the shorts when reality the lady was actually there talking about the top she was wearing not the shorts and this person had said something about the shorts and the lady walked away and the manager got mad at this person or whatever and so this person said this had happened to them for years and years ago and they were mortified about it because they felt like they harmed somebody. I was floored and everybody else was floored too because on the scale, on my harm scale of people I've harmed and things I've done, I'm not proud to admit this, but that would not even register harming someone because I mistakenly thought that they were talking about something else and I talked and I said something about like their shirt or their shorts and I was like, oops, my bad. No, that doesn't even register on my scale. But for them to say that mortified them and act like it was the um, worst thing that ever happened. And I'm pretty sure this person probably, I'm pretty sure this person probably doesn't remember who in the world said that about them and could care less years and years later. So it's just very interesting. The, the mental aspect of what they thought and what they saw, we were all perplexed on why this story was mortifying from any point of view, but that's a little bit, not going to go into more of that because obviously I don't want to, you know, rag on anyone too bad. But also the place that I work at currently, my executive director is the one. Man, you talk about details, 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 details. Yes, I mean, it has really challenged me, but in a good way, to be honest, because it's really helped me uh, to work on detailing things and to uh, make things more professional looking and to make things uh, more presentable, I guess you would say, because naturally my sevenness was like, it's done. It looks fine, right? But on the level of what a one would want, 
for organization, leading organization. No, it's got to be right and correct. And so I've learned quite a bit from that, especially as a seven, which I do appreciate. But that reaction formation is real. And that wanting to like control things is very real, too, for my executive director. So that's um, another topic for another day. But in all in all, I've learned quite a bit. And she makes sure stuff gets done in a very professional manner. You can't argue with that. Entrepreneurship is a fun word, but a tough journey. If you are on the entrepreneurial path and need some help along the way, tune in to Hot Butter Business Podcast, where four entrepreneurs who met through a program called Co-Starters decided after the program to start a podcast. They each use their unique skills, talents, and businesses to unite in this podcast in order to give their audience a look into the mind of an entrepreneur. So subscribe to Hot Butter Business Podcast and walk with these four aspiring entrepreneurs on their journey. This podcast also features me and you can see a full range of my Enneagram personality as I interact with other entrepreneurs. For those in a relationship with an Enneagram type one, here are some things you can do to assist them in the development of their relationship and their growth. But remember, never force, especially not an Enneagram one, never force. But if they're willing to be helped, Help along. Here's some things you can do. Encourage your type one to experience more pleasure. Accept errors and differences and attach their self-esteem from internal standards, not the external standards, not making sure everything is right externally, but making sure you go inside and that they understand that your self-esteem starts from there, not these outer things that we can get attached to. Also, Make sure they have some fun. They are, they can be so fixated on making things right, doing their job correctly, taking time and focus on all the little details to make sure it's perfect that they can miss a, a whole lot on the, just the natural fun of life. Next, support them on being non-judgmental to own their criticisms and to admit their mistakes. This is huge for Enneagram ones. This is huge. So you can assist them with it. So when they're being judgmental, you might just want to be like, mm, don't do that. You know, that person, you know, you never under, you never know what's going on in that person's life, why they may do that or what's going on. And then it's also to be like, you're being very critical right now. And that's not helpful. And that's not something that's really would be beneficial to that person. Also, um, you know, you can encourage them to admit their mistakes. We all make mistakes. We're not perfect, nor are they. And that's OK. Next, let them know. That they are lovable, though imperfect. So people aren't loving you because you're perfect. People are loving you because of who you naturally are deep, deep down inside. And so make sure that they know that you love them, not because they're perfect and they do things right and correct, but you love them way beyond that point. Next, point out what is positive and OK. So ones can get fixated on finishing a project. And they can procrastinate. And by procrastination, I don't mean they're not doing it. I mean that they're constantly, constantly, constantly working on it because it's never good enough to present. So they procrastinate in the sense of actually presenting what it is because they're trying to make it perfect. And so you have to let them know sometimes that this is good enough. This is the quality of it. Like, what is the purpose behind what you're doing? If that purpose is accomplished, then there's no more you need to necessarily do with this project. It's going to accomplish the purpose. And to be honest, it's probably better than what 95% of people are going to do anyway. 
It's just their inner critic is saying it's not it's not there yet. It's not perfect. It's not there. So you have to make sure you help them understand, like, it's okay. These things are good. And point out the positive effects of that as well. Next, remind yourself that the goal is to be whole, not perfect. The goal for the Enneagram one, you want to help them say you want to be a whole person, a healthy, whole, full person, not perfect because you're not going to be perfect. You're human. So you can't get stuck in striving for something that's not um, necessarily uh, attainable because that can lead you to some real sickness. So learning to be self-accepting and learning to be a whole person be like, oh, I make mistakes like everybody else, but I work darn hard to make things as good as they can be and to improve things. That's a fine mindset, but don't get stuck in everything has to be perfect because you'll be sick. Next, here are some strategies for Enneagram ones in a relationship, things that you can personally do. One, release your critical mind's domination by working with a negative superego, becoming discerning about the shoulds. So be careful on what you say when someone is doing something and your mind goes to, they should do this. Why don't they do this? This must be, that's not right. Be careful. This is where you work on taming that inner critic. You have to talk back to it because it's talking to you. And like, seriously, mentally talk to your inner critic and be like, mm, no, nah, I think we're good and they're trying their best and they're doing their best right now. And if I can help them improve and they want me to, that would be great. But I think they're okay and I think the situation will be fine. Next, appreciate errors, mistakes, and imperfection as differences. So a lot of times imperfection, mistakes, and errors have led to some of the most amazing things in this world. Some of the most amazing inventions, some of the most amazing pieces of artwork. And just people, to be honest, these are some of the amazing things that have happened through errors, mistakes, and imperfections. So make sure you don't see those necessarily as bad things, but those are just differences in this world. Next, observe your constant monitoring for comparison purposes. Good, bad, perfect, imperfect. So be careful when working with your inner critic and looking and scanning everywhere and saying and looking for what's good and what's bad and what's perfect and what's not. Be careful of that. Become aware of what's going on inside of you and so that you can backtrack and take a step back. It's like, mm, we don't even have to do this binary thinking thing. Right, wrong, good, bad, black and white, perfect, imperfect. We don't have to do that. We can just look at it as is and we can constantly work on it. I know it's not easy, but you can work on that. All right. Next. Welcome anger and guilt as signals of a critical mind taking over. So when you begin to get stressed out, angry, or feel guilty, make sure you start to recognize this. Don't just repress it and act like everything's okay and become dishonest and then become extremely critical. Notice that. Go take a time out. Figure out what's really going on and what's wrong. And if you're able to actually express those feelings and that anger or that guilt in a way that is uh, healthy or just being able to express that because you need to get it out, go ahead and do that so that you don't go into a place that is uh, negative for you, a place that is bad for you, a place that is harmful for you and your relationships. Next, integrate your instincts and desires into your life with healthy restraint. If you've made it this far and have not already taken the Enneagram test, here are a few that I trust. You can always go to kaizencareers.com forward slash Enneagram and scroll to the bottom for the quick two-question test based off of the Russ and Rizzo's quick test. The second one I trust is Eclectic Energies. It's another free test that has about 30 or so questions and can be pretty accurate depending how self-aware you are. 
The next one I trust is the Enneagram Institute for a more thorough test that will give you possibly your top three types. You can go to EnneagramInstitute.com and the tester has a minimal cost but it's pretty accurate. Last but not least, I trust the Integrative 9 test. This can be found at Integrative9.com. This test is one of the most expensive tests but I believe it to be the most accurate and gives a ton of information based on your type. It includes personal life, but really shines on how your type performs professionally. Enneagram ones, listen closely. There is gray out there. There is gray out there. Enneagram ones, you are truly, Enneagram ones, you truly have a moral compass inside of you. Make sure you allow others to develop their compasses too. And remember, everyone does not see the world like you. And many things are not black and white. So there are different ways of doing things besides what you feel is the correct way. Remember, you do not have a member's only pass to what is right or good. Respect that others may have right and good that does not look like yours, but can be right or good for them. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to let people know you are angry as well. Anger is not bad. Anger is an emotion. It can be used for good or bad. Make sure that you show integrity even when you are angry by showing honesty and communicating that you are angry. Don't go into reaction formation and lie to people about how you really feel. Express those feelings so that you may move forward in a healthy way and don't blow up randomly one day because you have had so much pent up anger. Ones, allow yourself to forgive. Forgive others and forgive yourself. Do not let your inner critic ruin your life and relationships. You have too much to offer the world to be controlled by your inner critic. The world needs your discipline, determined, and dedicated pursuit to better things in the world. Not the judgmental always pointing out flaws in others and self. Ones, though you are well put together and usually really good at whatever you attempt because you work to perfect it, please be mindful to genuinely love yourself. Not because you do the right thing or are a good person, but because you simply exist and have been created which is a blessing in itself. Grace, grace is the word you must carry with you, Enneagram Ones. You do not have to be perfect or right to be loved by other people. You need people around you who can love you unconditionally. If you do not already have those kind of people around you, start cultivating relationships that are built on people who do not beat you up for your faults that you've made. People who care about you whether you do something good or bad and love you enough to talk to you about it without judging or looking down upon you. Make sure you have grace for yourself as well. You are a human, not a robot or a machine. So there is always and there will always be mistakes, faults and problems. Relinquish the idea of how much control you believe you have of the world. And I promise you, life will become a little easier to see its imperfect perfections. Thank you once again for listening to this episode. If you could go ahead and subscribe, hit that subscribe button. Cause remember, get those new updates when you hit subscribe on your podcast player. 
Also, so this ends our series on the intro to the Enneagram types. What am I doing next? Drum roll. That's not a drum roll. Drum roll. I am doing Enneagram relationships. I had a lot of people talking about and mentioning they want to look at how do I look for different relationships? Who am I compatible with? Who I'm not compatible with? And so these things are questions that people have because they want to know how do I engage someone and actually have a healthy long-lasting relationship and where I don't self-sabotage it. So that is our next section coming up, which is going to be on Enneagram relationships. And we're going to start with the type eight. I'm going to start with the anger, body, control, somatics, intelligence. So I'm starting with the Enneagram eight, and that's going to come out next week. Also, make sure you go to the website, which is doitforthegrampodcast.com. If you subscribe, there is a free gift for you. It's a PDF on the Enneagram. You have to go there and see. But it's doitforthegrampodcast.com. Go ahead and subscribe to that as well. And get the latest updates. I'm also looking for people who want to write about the Enneagram, who want to write about their personal experience in the Enneagram. I want people to be engaged with each other and with me. I love talking to people about the Enneagram. I was on a plane and a lady talked to me for three and a half hours about the Enneagram and I typed her on the plane. It was the best thing ever. She was telling me about her life and I pulled out my typing cards and we just went to work. It was absolutely amazing and super fun. Didn't even realize it was three and a half hours, by the way, but it was great. But I love engaging. Also, go to at do it for the Graham podcast at Instagram. I respond to you. If you follow me, I will respond to you. And if you reach out to me, I respond. I talk to anyone who wants to about the Enneagram. I'm super excited about it. And I definitely want to engage this community and I want to make our community better. Also, if you're looking for coaching on the Enneagram and you need a coach, I do that. So you can reach out to me via Instagram either at doitforthegrampodcast.com or kaizencareers.com, which is where the coaching is under. You can reach out to me and we can talk about coaching and we can talk about doing some personal coaching and we can also talk about doing consulting. I also do consulting work for schools, businesses, and different organizations who are looking to improve workplace performance. So, so that about wraps it up. And all I have left is to do the one thing I do at the end of every single show. Just remember, when you're out there in the streets, when you're with your people, when you're doing your thing, when you're complicated, when life is hard, when in conflict, remember, do it for the gram. The Enneagram, of course. See you next week. Have a good one.